If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. Hey, what's up, folks? Uh, My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in today. Uh, This is one of the final episodes of of the season, Um, and what I wanted to do was bring you some more information about things like ADHD and anxiety, uh, depression, uh, because there are a lot of people out there that are dealing with these things, uh, whether they're dealing with them personally, or maybe they're parents of a child that's uh, struggling with these types of things. And so what I wanted to do was, was, uh, bring on my friend, Hazel McAdam. Uh, she's over in the UK, uh, Scotland to be specific. And, um, she is a, an ADHD and uh, anxiety advocate, um, and she shares her experience dealing with these things as an adult and uh, provides a lot of comfort and insight and education to the general public. She shares her life very openly. Uh, she's an awesome person. I've been able to go to her for advice with my kids on multiple occasions, and and uh, she's always been gracious enough to um, to help me out with that, and I really appreciate that. Uh, we also went through over, over the last week or so before the interview, um, I collected some, some listener questions and I narrowed them down to the top three just for time constraints. And, uh, she'll go ahead and answer those questions for, for some of the listeners. And, uh, I'll help you connect with, with, uh, Hazel. Um, all her information will be in the show notes below. So I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Behind every child with autism is a parent worried about the next road trip, whether it's to a baseball game or just a trip to the grocery store. Kids with sensory challenges are often fidgety, anxious, or easily overwhelmed on trips or in public spaces. Partnered with Culture City's Sensory Inclusive Initiative, 
Lackey Kit is here to help provide sensory relief with their writable weighted lap pad. The world's only interactive weighted lap pad that kids can actually write on using a water pen, which means no mess for mom and dad to clean up later. The lap pad provides both sensory input and a constructive outlet for your kids, so it's a win-win. Visit lackeykid.com forward slash the autism dad to learn more and receive a 20% discount on all their sensory products. That's lackeykid.com forward slash the autism dad to learn more and receive 20% discount on all their sensory products. All right. And we're back. And today I have my friend Hazel McAdam. Um, she's over in the UK, right? Yep. Yep. In Scotland. Scotland. Oh, that's the accent. Um, <laughs> uh, I've never actually talked to a Scottish person in real life before. It's pretty now cool. Now you have. And now I'll be able to, yeah, now when we chat, I can match a voice with... Um, with my tweets. <laughs> <laughs> with your face, yeah. Um, and, and you wanted, uh, we, we were talking about this, you're a very big advocate for people with ADHD, right? And I try to be, <laughs> try to be, well, you are, you do a lot of, uh, you share a lot of information and help people understand. And so what we thought we would mm -hmm. do is just have a conversation about ADHD, especially when it comes to adults, because I think a lot of people don't even believe it exists and, yes. and, and it does. Um, and, and so we thought we would just sort of talk about how it impacts your life and, and share, uh, with the listeners, some things that maybe they need to be aware of, or maybe they weren't aware of and, and how as a society we can be more supportive and understanding to, um, you know, uh, adults that are, that are living with ADHD. So, um, you have ADHD, right? Yes, I do. And how does that, um, how does that impact, uh, your life? Like what kind of challenges do you, do you face? Um, so every day is a challenge. Um, there's always something, but, um, we're basically brought into a world where we are told to not function the way our brains function. We have to function a way that neurotypicals have to function. <laughs> I hate that word, but <laughs> we'll go with it. Um, so I just getting up in the morning, like the majority of people just getting ready, brushing their teeth. You know, that sort of thing isn't really a challenge for us. It can be, um, especially if we, if we're in a routine, it's great. But as soon as we go off of one of those things, like if I don't get up and go brush my teeth straight away, it completely throws everything and I forget to do certain things. And it could be, I remember as a kid, I forgot to put underwear on, like <laughs> I can put on a t-shirt back to front. Um, like things that people would take so for granted, they don't realize how hard it is for us. Um, just how much of an effort it is. Um, studying right now is the biggest thing that's a challenge for me. Um, we're known for not being able to focus on one thing because we're focusing it on too many things. Mm -hmm. People think that we don't focus at all. But that's a lie. <laughs> We're just focusing on far too much. <laughs> Do you find that over? That's got to be overwhelming. It's very overwhelming, and it's more overwhelming than what people think because they think because we're like energetic and in your face or social or whatever um, that they think that we're okay. <laughs> when really it's the opposite. The reason why we're acting that way is because there's too much coming in. Like, 
So is that, is it, is it, would that be safe to say it's sort of similar to like sensory overload? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people with ADHD do actually have sensory processing disorder. Um, you'll probably know as well from your sons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's common in autism as well. Um, so I don't know where like those two like stop and start, if that makes sense. I think it's a blurry because line. Yeah, because it's already part of the disorder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's 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 a hard one to distinguish between. But um, every person with ADHD, like, obviously suffers from too much uh, stimuli coming in at the one time. Yes, yeah, like I, I guess I never, I never realized. See, my understanding. Um, like I don't have ADHD, but two of my three kids do and, mm-hmm. uh, their mom does, uh, as an, mm-hmm. as an adult. So I, I'm a firm believer. I've seen it. I, I know it exists in adults. Um, <laughs> with, with my kids, you know, it presents as we'll see hyperactivity, a lot of impulsiveness. Um, mm-hmm. and it, and it seems more like, like racing thoughts. Like, um, I, I guess I, I never, like at, like at bedtime, it might be hard to fall asleep because they can't shut their brains off or um, it's hard to focus on one thing because they're thinking about a hundred things. Yes. I, I guess I never realized that it was, it was, it was similar to um, sensory processing disorder in, in the sense that you're taking in so much that you've, you've got to become overwhelmed and mm-hmm. Does that, does that lead to like, like, I mean, it would be overstimulation, I would think, right? Um, yeah. So it's weird. It's a weird one because I hear all the time, like the ADHD, like we need, we need stimulation, which we do, um, or we get bored, but there is such a thing as, us getting too much. Like it's constant. Can you imagine having like five people talking to you all day? I have three and, like, people talking. Not to me being exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get what I mean. Oh yeah, I get it. So like we have that in our head all the time, constantly going, will not shut off, won't slow down. Like it's usually why like ADHD uh, people usually tend to go and um, like self medicate. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, you're trying to find something that slows down our thoughts. So as much as we need stimuli, uh, stimulus coming in to keep us interested and on the go, it's also a lot for us to actually maintain, which I think would be the case for anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's – we're – and I actually have a question for you because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we deal with – doctors and stuff for my, my kids with, with ADHD. And, and I've never been, I'm not a, well, I'm not anti-medication, but I'm, I'm, I, I'm not, um, I guess I'm more conservative with medication, meaning like, I don't want to just throw meds at everything. Um, right. my kids, my Elliot is very obviously ADHD, very typical, very impulsive, very, um, it's very yep. obvious. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety that's mixed in with, uh, with that as well. And, and the problem that I have right now with my youngest is that, uh, he was diagnosed with ADHD. He's also an Aspie and has a lot of anxiety. Um, yep. and, and we've, we've sort of, I've stopped with meds 
because he he has zero issues at school, so, so not a single problem at school, uh, and he never has, never lost a point, straight A's, teacher's favorite student always. I mean, never a problem nice. on on or off the meds, which is good. When he comes mm-hmm. home, or is in any environment outside of school, he is all over the place. I mean, a, a completely different person, and one of the doctors that we're working with now says that you can't have ADHD if you're doing well in school. And Oh, that annoys me. Well, and, and my thought was with, in my limited experience, um, you have people with ADHD can be uh, very attentive to things that maybe captures their attention, something that they're very focused on. Emmett yep absolutely loves school. School learning, education is his absolute favorite thing in the world. And so when he goes to school, he's like a little machine and he just absorbs knowledge. And so in your opinion, as as an adult who is um, living with this, is it possible that school could just be his thing that he focuses on? Like that captures- Oh, for sure. No, definitely. Um, and it's funny because when you're talking about him, he's actually reminded me of me when I was a kid. And it's also the reason why I didn't get diagnosed until I was an adult. Um, so my brother has ADHD and he was diagnosed at six and he had issues from the beginning of school. He hated school. Mm-hmm. So naturally being in school, he was going to hate it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So whereas I loved school, like I loved it. I love learning. Um, I absorbed everything. I might have not looked like I was absorbing everything, but I did, and it showed in my grades. Um, And that was actually the reason. So the psychologist that my brother was seeing had actually said to my mom that they knew I had it, but whether or not they wanted me to be diagnosed with it. So they asked my mom what she wanted, and my mom says, well, the teachers are treating my son differently. And my, my daughter is doing well, and I don't want a label put on her that will then make her be treated differently and have everything that she's doing well on then fall down. Like Yeah, sort of disrupt things. Would, yeah, because, I mean, I knew which teachers knew I had it and which ones didn't from the way that they would treat me. Some were okay and would help me out if I didn't understand something straight away. Um, others, like, it was constant stop chatting, stop chatting, stop chatting, stop doing that, stop fidgeting, like sit down, like constantly at me. And I think if they had a label, they would have had an excuse to just get me out of the class. Mm, Okay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely think, I think your boy, um, so this is Emmett, isn't it? Yeah. I think, I think he's just, he just likes, he likes school and that's what people need like not everybody with ADHD is exactly the same. We're not all going to like the same things. We're not all going to react the same way. If we like something, we're going to be like, we're going to be hyper-focused on it. Mm-hmm. If we don't like it, that's when we have the issue. And that's when we get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. He, he, yeah. He, um, school has always, has always been his thing. And, you know, it used to drive me nuts because if he took his meds in the morning, um, then he had, like, he wouldn't be hungry and he would complain about side effects and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I would feel like, okay, well, if he's doing okay, why would I give him medication if he's doing well? Right. Um, 
And the teachers never noted any difference between on meds and off meds. So in my view, I feel like if he was doing okay, then we can, if he can manage without the medication and he's doing as well as he is at school, then maybe we just sort of let that be because he's doing well. And then if we need help at home, like if he needs help to um, slow his thoughts or, or whatever else, then we can, we can address medication needs outside of school. Um, like, like shorter acting medication or something like that. Does that seem, does that seem reasonable to you? I think it is. I think the best, the best person to tell you how they're feeling on it is obviously Emmett. So even if you involve him in that decision, um, but I think that is pretty much a reasonable Hmm. uh, way to look at it, especially when you're, you're recognizing that he obviously needs the help outside school more than he does inside the school. And it's hard when you, cause I, I know a lot of times, uh, when we've talked online, you, you deal with a lot of anxiety, right? Oh, yes. Is, is that, is that tied to the ADHD or is that, is that sort of yeah. a comorbid? Yeah. So ADHD does have coexisting conditions, unfortunately. Um, anxiety is definitely one of them. Uh, depression as well. You can have, uh, bipolar, mm-hmm. Tourette syndrome, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder and oppositional defiant disorder. Um, I have anxiety, depression, and OCD. Um, OCD is more like I, I know I'm showing you, but no one else can see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to pulse my hands um, like 10 times, uh, and I do that twice. Um, doors, I always check doors, but I think that's to do with forgetfulness as well. So I'm constantly checking to make sure they're locked. Um, but anxiety, like OCD is linked to anxiety as well, ironically. Um, like I feel like I'm in a constant state of panic because ADHD itself is is flight or fight, fight and anxiety is also fight or flight. Right. <laughs> so it's like constantly, I like, I have tightness around my chest all the time. Um, that never goes away it goes away like once in a blue moon and I'm like, but then I get anxiety from it. Cause I'm like, is something going to happen? <laughs> Why am I okay? <laughs> so like the thoughts as well go round and round. Um, ADHD on top of that makes it worse. Cause we're already thinking about a million things. It's like a cycle then wouldn't it be just sort of like a, a vicious cycle that you yes. have to. And they trigger one another. Yeah. Do you, um, and I guess one of the issues too is is there's a lot of overlap between ADHD and anxiety. I, I mean, as far as presenting. Mm-hmm. So like um I was just talking with my uh my kid's therapist um two, last Tuesday, and and we were discussing, you know, medications f- for Emmett specifically. And it's like, well, you know, he he there there's times where if you give him his afternoon meds, it seems like it makes a significant difference. And then there's times you give him his afternoon meds and it doesn't seem like it's done anything. And so it, it, is it, I mean, I, I believe it's either it works or it doesn't. It's not going to be a, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so what I'm, what we're thinking is, is that the times that it appears not to be working, we're seeing more anxiety and it's, it's less the ADHD part of it. And it's just the anxiety that's coming through that sort of mimics yes. a lot of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Does it? So I'm assuming that he's on like um, a stimulant. Yeah. 
So usually, I don't know if it's the same obviously over there, but usually over here, if you have ADHD and anxiety, they will not give you a stimulant. Really? Because it will provoke your anxiety. (sighs) Well, you think about it, when you've got anxiety, the first thing they tell you, don't drink caffeine, which for someone with ADHD is a bit different, but if you're, that sort of stimulant is obviously stronger, like a medication one. So that will actually provoke his anxiety and make it worse. (laughs) That's... So you're probably better actually treating his anxiety yeah, to cope with his ADHD. Hmm. Obviously, I'm not a doctor and I'm not an expert on that, but that's the way that no, I would see it I, because... I need to take you with me <laughs> when <we> go back. <laughs> I just, I remember, like, that's what I'm struggling with right now because I'm not on any medication right now for anything. Um, and we're struggling just now with the doctors because they don't want to give me something for my ADHD that could cause my anxiety to go even worse than what it is. Um, and they're just trying to figure out what's the best route for me. Um, when you when you mentioned you're not on any medications, um, mm-hmm. what do you do to help manage these things? And how, how do you um, how, how do you how do you maintain control and not them control you, I guess, if that makes sense? So I think with girls, it's a lot different. I think we are, because we're brought up differently um, through society, that we're expected to, like, like if a, if a boy in school was to lash out, people will literally literally say boys will be boys. Mm-hmm. Whereas if a girl's to do it, we're shut down, like, straight away. So we're expected to be at a higher standard almost. So um, I think that has a lot to play with it. And it makes you, everybody with ADHD or even autism, I think we all create our own coping mechanisms. And mine is shutting off in my room, putting my music on, dancing, and nobody can disrupt me, like, disrupt me when I'm doing that. Like, um, I can talk to my mom. I need mm-hmm. my mom. She's, like, that person that I need, like, if I'm really bad, I need to talk to her. If I don't, it's going to be a meltdown. I still have the meltdowns. Like, as an adult, it doesn't just go away. <laughs> um, everybody thinks to do. It's just, no, it's like, no, we'll just need to, like, oh, no, I'm going to have a meltdown. Okay, I'll go hide somewhere. <laughs> um, what is what is a meltdown like um, for an adult? Like, I, I, I know what they're like with my kids. Is it sort of the similar thing as an adult so it's a similar feeling it's the most uncomfortable feeling i don't know how to describe it and i don't know how to describe it more so to someone that obviously doesn't experience it but it's like a built up of energy and as an adult you're not allowed to let that energy burst out like it's obviously not appropriate to go and punch something or someone or um so usually it's it's really hard my thing even growing up was slamming doors my mom hated it <laughs> um you always knew when i was when i was about to have a meltdown because you would hear me going up the stairs like boom 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 and then the door boom <laughs> but because i just couldn't lash out to someone um i think but the feeling it's as an adult it's really hard especially like if you're in a work environment People don't think about this. Like if you're around a lot of people and you're in a work environment, you're supposed to be professional 
and you know that you're about to have a meltdown and there's nothing that's going to stop it, you need to get out of there, like, quick, get away from everybody because everyone will irritate you. doesn't matter if they're being nice or or just being quiet <laughs> and just staring at you. Like, it just, you can't deal. You need to get out. So it's, so it's, the mechanics are very similar or the same. You maybe are... Are you just, you're just, as an adult, you have an ability to better more awareness more awareness, and so you can maybe see it coming ahead of time and make preparations, I guess, or, or mm-hmm. try and control your environment a little more or control the yeah. environment that you put yourself in. All right. Yeah. I, I, and that's another thing, I guess I didn't realize, I didn't realize that, that, well, again, it would tie in with the overstimulation you know, if you're taking in so much all the time, I mean, a meltdown is a meltdown. Um, mm-hmm. and those are all, and that's a sore spot for me with a lot of people because meltdowns are not a sign of behavioral, uh, like disciplinary type things. It is, it is an involuntary, um, yes, it, it's your body purging, uh, because you yeah. can't, you literally cannot process anymore. It, it, and, and people, people will judge that so often as, is it's, uh, a behavioral problem. And it's, and it's not, it's somebody who's in distress. It's why like, yeah. I hate it when people tell me, well, you know, he's, he's freaking out. You need to ugh, let's say like, you gotta get him a whooping or however they, they say it. And, um, yeah. or you need to just discipline him. It's like, what, like the kid's in distress, like he needs compassion and he needs to, to, uh, to sort of just purge all that built up uh, energy and emotion and, and just get it out. And and then we can try and yeah. adjust whatever it is that's creating the problem for him to try and eliminate it. Mm-hmm. But that's, do you, do you find, um, cause I know culturally things are different here in the States than maybe they are, uh, in mm-hmm. Scotland, but do you find people are more accepting where you are or is there still a lot of stigma and judgment? There's still a lot of stigma. People, like you said, still see it as um, a behavioral problem because they only see that part of ADHD, which is so annoying. Um, But I'm having an ADHD moment. (laughs) What did you say? Uh, Well, I just asked about uh, like judgment and and ridicule, like how how culturally, how are things where you are versus... You know how how like, we are obviously there's a lot of judgment and ridicule and stuff that takes place here, you know, on this side of the pond. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was like where you're at. Oh no, it definitely still happens over here. I think as an adult, when I say to people like I have ADHD, this is what to do, what's not to do, people will automatically be like, oh, okay, right, okay, and say they're understanding, but then they're not because people are quick enough to say that they're willing to put in the effort but then won't put in the effort and that's the part that we need to get past because it's it's not it's not okay to just say okay we support you you know what i mean like it's like someone saying oh i support lgbtq but then don't actually do anything to actually support them like don't put any effort in um or it's like lip service it's it's um Mm-hmm. they say what they feel is appropriate in the moment, but then there's nothing behind it. Yeah. It's like it almost to make them feel good mm-hmm. and not us. Like they're still not thinking about us. Oh, that's, I can so, I can relate to that. 
because I was just talking, I think I just wrote something about it. Maybe it was, I don't know, last week where people, um, people ask you if you're okay. And the easiest thing to do is just be like, yeah, everything's cool. You know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. Even if like you're at the end of your rope and, and you can't take anymore, we still tend to, I mean, it's not really lying, I guess, but it's part of it is because we're more concerned about how the other person is going to feel or not wanting to burden somebody else with, 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 um, with what we're feeling. And, Mm -hmm. and so we suffer in silence and that's, uh, that's kind of a, a rough thing that I would, I would hope that as we sort of advance as a society, we realize that, you know, there should be no shame in, being overwhelmed. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's so important. Yes. Um, and that's the thing. That's the most important thing with ADHD. We need communication. Like, we don't know what you're feeling. Doesn't matter if you think we do, or if you think like your facial expression or how you wrote something or anything. We struggle, <laughs> like really struggle to understand where you're coming from. So we need that constant communication. If you don't like something we're doing, tell us. It's better to tell us than not and then being standoffish or ignoring us because that eats away at us more than it does them. So so are you talking like um like like uh having a hard time reading social cues? Like Yes. Really? Yes. Huh. I didn't I struggle so much with social cues that it's funny because people will just automatically assume because I come across as that I'm you know, I'm okay and I look like I'm understanding. But what they don't understand is if that's just from learning over the years to pretend like I know what I'm doing. ADHD, we're the best sellers. Like we can sell anything. That really is similar to to autism. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and then you wonder. Yeah, there's so much overlap. Even if you go autism, ADHD, and anxiety, there's so much overlap between the three. Where does one begin and the other end? And, exactly. and how could you ever truly know what you're dealing with? And then how do you help the person? Uh, because everybody, you know, each, each situation might need a different approach, but if yeah. you don't know what situation you're actually dealing with, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you know what to do or how to help? And I think that's why there's a lot of either misdiagnoses or like people don't go diagnose because it is so complex and it's more complex than what people think. Like literally people think ADHD, oh, bad behavior. And that's it. Like if I ask people on the street, like, what do you think ADHD is? It's always bad behavior. Hmm. And that's why I thought I'd take to Twitter and start just tweeting what I go through and what is related to my ADHD. And hopefully it helps people with ADHD, but also helps make other people aware. Maybe a little like insight, which is what, which is what I've been doing. Just try and put a, to help people connect the reality of what it could be like, as opposed to what maybe they see on TV or uh, some of the more stereotypical inaccuracies that, that are floating around out there. So that, that takes a lot of courage for one thing. So I applaud you for that. And, uh, and it's important to get accurate information out there. Otherwise people believe whatever they Mm -hmm. they hear and it's and it's it's a constant setback 
and that's why I always post like just because I'm posting what I go through in ADHD I even say like doesn't mean everybody with ADHD is going through the same thing um we all have we can all have different traits yes obviously we share some but there is a spectrum just like there's a spectrum for autism um some people have it worse than others um some people have more traits some people have the ADD without the HD some people have the HD without the ADD <laughs> um and people don't know that like people do not actually know this they just know ADHD is linked to a kid kicking off in class <laughs> yeah they don't yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot of misunderstanding and when you do what you're doing and you're trying to help people that I think that makes a difference. Um, it's probably helpful for you. I would imagine just for me, it's very therapeutic. And and so I guess I kind of assume probably incorrectly that it's the same way for everybody else. But have you, have you found, what have you found the response to be like? Do you find that people are generally pretty cool about it or they're very accepting or have you, have you found, I mean, there's a lot of trolls. We know that. Uh, we, we've talked about that. Before. Yes, there is some <laughs> trolls. <laughs> um, initially I put it out and I thought, you know what? Like I only had a couple hundred followers at the, to begin with. And I thought I'll just tweet out about my ADHD every now and then. Hopefully some people see it. Um, and then when my audience grew and like, it's not that there's a lot of people that obviously read those posts but there's enough for like parents to say to me, oh my God, I now understand my child. And that like literally, I mean, I cried my eyes out when I heard that because I was like, oh my God, I've actually helped someone. And um, my initial reason for putting out those tweets was actually to get people who didn't have ADHD or weren't around it to understand it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that people with it or are parents to it, um, are actually like the the direct message me all the time asking uh what this could be what that could be and i'm not an expert i do say that to them and it might not be but um i try and help and the response i get is just it's overwhelmingly amazing <laughs> there's you know you keep saying you're not an expert and, and I, I mean i get maybe the education side of it you know you're not a, a doctor or a specialist in that area but um, I was just talking, one of the last interviews that I did, we were talking about, um, doctors, uh, the difference between a doctor who has a child with autism versus a doctor who just has the education, uh, of what autism mm -hmm. is and diagnoses it. There's, there's such a difference in approach. I think when it's, when it's something that people can relate to in real life. So when someone approaches you about something they're struggling with, with ADHD, you can, you can empathize because you know what it's, what it's like. And, mm -hmm. and so in a lot of ways, like I've always felt like the real experts of, of what autism is like, for example, are autistic people. And then the next would maybe be their parents because their parents live it in the trenches with their kids every day. And then you yes. have, you have the doctors and the specialists who are educated uh, in it, but it's a very clinical sort of, um, textbook. Way. Yes. Yeah. A very sterile kind of approach where, where it doesn't allow for real life. And so what you're doing is, is sharing really expert advice from somebody who deals with it on a daily basis. And frankly, who, who better to ask 
for advice than somebody who's actually experiencing it firsthand. So, I mean, that's, that's, uh, I think what you're doing is very powerful. And I think that it helps a lot of people. Uh, Thank you. And, and not enough people out there are willing to share. They're, they're not comfortable doing that. And yeah, so I think, I think my, the way I was brought up made me do that. Um, I didn't have many friends or that, which is common with ADHD or any mm-hmm. disorder really. Um, so the only person I was really around was my mom and my brother for most of it. And my mom lets me talk about anything. So nothing was ever off the table. So I never learned that you couldn't uh, voice what you're feeling or like what's happening in your life. Um, obviously there are some things that obviously I keep to myself, but um, yeah, it's just, I think I never learned those social cues. <laughs> <laughs> It all comes back to that. <laughs> so you have a you have a good support system, then with but my mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Definitely, and my, because my brother has it as well. I always had him. Like we always have each other to relate to. Mm-hmm. Is he older so, or younger? He's younger. All right, and and you're twenty seven. Twenty seven. That's right. Because you just had a birthday, right? Yeah, dude. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Happy birthday again. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Okay, uh, so what we're going to go ahead and do real quick is is take a break, and when we come back, we'll get into the listener questions and uh, try and get those uh, answered for you guys. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. The Autism Dead is brought to you by Mightier. Mightier is an amazing program out of Harvard Medical and Boston Children's that utilizes video games in a wrist strap heart rate monitor to teach your kids to emotionally self-regulate. So if you are an autism parent like I am, that means fewer meltdowns. Fewer meltdowns means reduced parental stress and improved quality of life for your entire family. Uh, I've been using it with my son for over a year. It's absolutely fantastic. The games are fun. They're engaging. He loves it. He doesn't even realize that he's learning while he's doing it. And then he naturally applies it to the rest of his life. It's basically biofeedback for kids. So it does work for any child. Uh, But due to the nature of, of autism, Kids on the spectrum tend to have a more difficult time with emotional self-regulation. And so Mightier has a, has a very profound impact on that. So if you want more information, including how to get a free 30-day trial, visit theautismdad.com forward slash Mightier. That's theautismdad.com forward slash Mightier. So when we talked about doing this, uh, we thought it might be a cool idea to, to ask some people uh, if they had any questions about ADHD and yep. you would answer them uh, as best you can. And I think most people wanted to remain anonymous, so we're not going to uh, out anybody. Yeah, we don't have to say names. Yeah. <laughs> so the first question, and, and I think in a way you've touched on all of these, but uh, the first question was, it, it, they ask, uh, that sort of like autism, girls can present very differently than mm-hmm. boys. And they want to know what symptom of yours was surprisingly connected to ADHD? Like what were you dealing with that you didn't realize maybe was, was ADHD related? Um, for that one, it was definitely rejection sensitive dysphoria. And it basically means the fear of rejection. Okay. I didn't know this was a part of ADHD until recently, actually. Um, and basically we either, a common thing for ADHD people is to stop trying when we feel like we're going to fail. So if something became, becomes challenging, we think 
we can't do it, we're going to fail, so we may as well stop what we're doing. And that way we don't fail, and it was on our terms. And we can breathe. <laughs> and most people see it as we're lazy or like we're not putting in effort because of that. Um, another symptom of that fear of rejection is also people-pleasing. We will go out our way to make sure everyone's okay. Um, we can actually put our own lives on hold or self-sabotage our lives for someone else. <laughs> I've done this before in relationships. Um, I've put them first. I've used all my money. I've put everything into it and not actually, like, totally forgot about myself just focus purely on them and it's just so that we don't get rejected <laughs> hmm. i guess i would have i would have never a, i would have never connected the two and i guess i didn't know the other thing was i mean i know there's a fear of rejection i didn't know that was like an actual mm -hmm. uh thing and then i didn't know it was tied to adhd so how, how do you how do you manage that do you do okay with that or is it no. no, I try, like, if I notice I'm focusing on someone too much, I'll try to back off. Um, it's in my nature to help people, so it's kind of hard. Um, but, uh, like, I've noticed with friends, I'm constantly, constantly messaging them because I'm constantly trying to make sure they're okay. Like, and I know I'm being far too much. And it's hard for me, like, it's really hard. And this is where the impulsiveness comes in, too, because even when I'm saying, no, you're being too much, I do it anyway. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> like I'll send that message. And I'm like, why? <laughs> you need that un unsend button. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do your, do your, are your friends pretty understanding? Um, I think they try to be, yeah. Um, they, I've, so recently I've just gotten like friends. <laughs> um, and they're the best bunch ever. They do try to be, um, I don't know, obviously most of my friends are through Twitter, so <laughs> I don't really know what they're feeling or mm -hmm. how they're taking it, if that makes sense. Because it's just from writing and I'm, I struggle with that. Um, but, I mean, so far, it's been okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> good for you. Okay. Uh, this other one, again, you touched on it. Um <laughs> Uh, this is a, is a mom and she's writing about her 20 year old, uh, child, her, her son with ADHD and ODD, um, yes. obstetrical defiance disorder for those who don't know that. Uh, and he apparently has never fully admitted that he has, uh, these conditions and struggles in college with grades and gets into trouble sometimes. Uh, and she wants to know how she can get him to ex maybe accept the fact that he has ADHD and, mm -hmm. and do more to help him like himself manage. Um, cause I guess it's kind of one of those, I guess I, I should have worded that uh, better, but, um, basically it's, it's how does, how do you get him to acknowledge that there's a problem so that he can realize that he needs to get help? I guess if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think the issue here though, is that he has oppositional defiant disorder, um, which for people who don't know, means that they can be hostile, like disobedient or defiant behaviors directed at adults or anyone else we find like as an authority Sorry. figure. So my brother has this and going from what I've seen and experienced from that is 
as the parent, I would say back off because no matter what you say, they're going to have this guard up. And it doesn't, they're not meaning it. It's just happening. They don't mean it. It's kind of like, do you know when you say to a child to do something, they do the opposite? Mm -hmm. So I would say back off and try and create a positive um, outlook for ADHD. Don't try and make it all negative or like pointing out that the grades are bad because unfortunately his grades might not always like might not be the best even ADHD people who thrive don't always come out with the best grades doesn't mean they don't know what they're talking about or that they're doing well it's, it's just testing they maybe don't test well yes they yeah. really don't test well like oh like I struggle with exams so bad because of this um I mean you're literally putting someone who has no sense of time who can't access thoughts the same way as everybody else in a room in a certain amount of time. <laughs> do you guys have, do you have accommodations? Do they accommodate? Uh, yes. So I get my own room um, and I get extra time, which is great. I love it. It's amazing. Um, but if I'm having an off day and I can't access those thoughts, there's nothing, even extra time will not, get me to access those thoughts but i'm guaranteed that that later on that night they'll probably come into my head <laughs> so so basically to help this this mom out so basically we um by you acknowledging and, and sort of embracing your adhd you're able to get the accommodations that can improve the quality of your life and and give you a more level playing field so, so yes. maybe that's um yeah, maybe she can approach him in that manner. I mean, like if, if what you're doing isn't working, why continue to do the same thing? Why not try and make some changes that can make you feel better about yourself or feel more accomplished or, um, or, or just maybe even relieve some of the stress and anxiety surrounding yeah. even test taking, you know? Yes. All right. And even say, like, I would say to you, like, I'd say to your, to their son, like, we know that you're smart and that you understand this. And we know that your grades aren't reflecting that. We're not saying that you aren't smart because I think as soon as grades are mentioned, everyone automatically assumes like we get a guard up. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a nice thing. Do you know what I mean? If you've got bad marks, it's, you know, like that person's going to feel bad about that regardless. So I think it's just the way that you approach it. It's not like that you have to be more gentle and positive rather than saying that you have to do this. <laughs> and you, you have to remember too, with the ODD that, that they're going to dig their heels in mm -hmm. and want to do the opposite of, of what you're, what you're doing. So you almost maybe want to make any changes feel like it's their idea mm -hmm. because then it's not you telling them what to do. It's, it's them figuring out for themselves. Yeah. Maybe something that's different in, in, you can maybe circumvent that part of it. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, you know, we, we dealt with ODD with my oldest when he was younger, and that's a spectrum as well. Uh, yes. And that was that's very frustrating. Okay, definitely. Um, the last question, and I really think this was a, a pretty uh, pretty good question. Um, yeah. They wanted to know. Um, how do you know if you come across somebody who is an, is an adult who is struggling with ADHD? Like there's a lot of awareness for kids. So people are more aware of mm -hmm. 
um, what kids are going through, but there's still a lot of doctors that don't even believe adult ADHD exists. How do you know that the person that you're maybe having a hard time with or you see struggling, what are some signs that it could be ADHD? Uh, they asked if there's any tells. And then what can they do as just a fellow human being to be more supportive and understanding and maybe trying to help them in a way that is positive and not uh, making anything worse? Um, right. So with this one, I think it's a difficult one because, again, like we went over earlier, like the traits and symptoms of ADHD can be similar to so many different things, mm -hmm. especially like anxiety or um, uh, autism and stuff like that. Um, I I personally think there's no really telltales as of like you can just sit in front of them and notice. So many people, when I've told them I've got ADHD, don't notice that I have it um, until I tell them, ironically. Um, <laughs> um, I think I think that if they're struggling, like anyone, if they're struggling, um, just make them aware that you're there for them. Um, do not try and approach them. Because the one thing that I know I struggle with and I know my brother struggles with is if we're struggling ourselves um, and we're frustrated, the last thing we want is anybody to come near us. And it's an automatic human thing to go near someone mm -hmm. <laughs> when they're struggling. But we, we we just can't cope because, again, it's overstimulus. Like, we, we need that person. We just we can't cope. We need them away. We need, need everything space. away. Space. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if they're really struggling and you see them going into low, I would then probably, I wouldn't self-diagnose them, obviously, if they don't know, if they're not aware or <laughs> you're yeah. a friend, I would just maybe bring it up to them to go see a therapist and that way they can go through the processes because it could just be anxiety. Um, I know that there was a bit at the end of that where, um, was that the one where it says, what can we do to see if this uh, to see this how can we help is there anything we can do to be more considerate or ease any social anxiety mm -hmm. um that was a pretty i thought it was a pretty um thought out yeah it was a really it was a really well thought out question it was just two paragraphs long so i was trying to summarize uh, yeah. it <laughs> um i think i think everybody should See, the thing is, is that like, you can't tell if someone has something. You're just not going to be able to by standing next to them. You're not going to know um, unless they wear something saying that they do. I think the best way is everybody should just approach everyone. Um, you don't know what that person's gone through regardless in life. So if they become like, if they become either aggressive or they're, you know, they seem rude or shut off. Um, just leave them <laughs> and go on your business. Like that's all you need to do. If there's, if you feel, if you see someone having a meltdown, then fair enough. Um, don't approach them. Um, like as in, don't touch them. Uh, talk to them calmly. Don't don't go in a panic. <laughs> mm -hmm. And if you know the person, the best thing to do is talk about something they like. Distract or redirect, kind of. Yeah. 
So, like, so, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, was, go ahead. I was going to say, if you don't know the person, then just ask them what they like. But if they tell you to back off, back off. <laughs> so in a nutshell, if we treat everybody with decency, then, then it really doesn't matter whether it's ADHD or we identify it as ADHD or it's autism or it's just somebody having a bad day. Um, mm -hmm. If we treat everybody as though, you know, we don't know what's going on beneath the surface. Maybe there's something there. Maybe they're just having a bad day or maybe they're just a terrible person. Yeah. Uh, but if we assume that we don't know what they're going through and we treat them with the same type of decency and compassion and respect that we would, uh, we would like for our own family or loved ones to be treated with, then that's sort of a universal approach, whether you can identify it or you know it's ADHD or not, just exactly. be a nice person. And I, and I think that's a, that's a great question. And I think you answered it very Definitely. well. And, uh, yeah. So those are, I thought that was, that, that was a pretty good, uh, I, I liked that. I liked that question. Um, it was a good question. How, how have you like when, when you envision yourself in the future, how do you like, what do you see? How do you envision yourself? I can't. Um, I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. I'm not sure, but um, I honestly can, and it scares me. And that's what a lot of like, I get a lot of anxiety with. I'm hoping that I'm, I can help people. I'm getting a degree in psychology, hopefully, if I make it. <laughs> but my main goal is to help people spread more awareness of ADHD and make a living for myself. Well, you're already, you're already doing two of those things. I mean, you are making a difference and you are helping people. So that's halfway there, right? guess so. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, because, because you are, and I, you know, one of the things that I've, um, uh, one of the things that I've noticed about you is you, you were very, um, humble, I think about what you do. So, so you see it as you're just sharing something about yourself and, and maybe not recognizing how big of an impact that can have on somebody's life in a positive way. And, and, uh, it can be very profound, you know, when, when, when you can connect with somebody and, um, you may be the first person that they feel actually can understand where they're coming from. They may be living in a place or in an environment where nobody gets it. Everybody thinks they're crazy or they don't, uh, they're, they're judged for things that are outside of their control. And when they can come across somebody uh, like you, who's sharing their story um, and, and taking questions and responding to questions and reaching out to people like I know you do, um, that, that can be so positive in somebody's life. And, and I really feel like you, you shouldn't sell yourself short because I, I really feel like you do a lot of very positive things. And I know people have noticed, uh, so, you know, as, as, a, as a parent of, uh, two kids with ADHD who, who can really try my patience at times, you know, <laughs> um, I really appreciate it because you're helping to make the world a better place for them to grow up in. And that's, that's a very powerful thing for me as a parent. And that's something that I can't. I mean, there's really nothing I could do to thank you for doing that, that in my book sort of meets that level. So 
don't sell yourself short. You do amazing things and I'm very grateful for it. And I am thrilled that you were willing to come on the show and talk about this because um, th th there's there's so much misinformation out there and uh, it's it's good to get facts and personal experience. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, is there anything that you wanted to, to add or, or for people to like, if you had, okay, so let me ask it like this. So if, if everybody listening could take one thing away from this, what would you want it to be? Does that make sense? To be patient. Patient. Okay. Because everybody assumes that people with ADHD are really impatient when the ironic thing is we're the most patient people you can get because we're having to ad adapt to a way that we, that we're not meant to function. Um, we're constantly ridicu ridiculed, uh, made fun of, bullied, like throughout our whole life for being who we are, especially as adults, because I know as me being a hyper person, <laughs> um, that's not normal for adults apparently. And I get the looks, I get the stare, stares, I get the comments. Um, and I just want people to be more patient and open. Like open your mind and understand that we're not all the same. Not one person on this planet is the same. It's a, it's a, it's not a cookie cutter, not one size fits all kind of thing. Everybody yes. is, everybody's unique and in different, um, and beautiful. Yes. And beautiful and amazing and talented. And, um, mm -hmm. and I, I always tell people like, if you, if you lined up 10 people with autism in a room and you, you know, compared them all, however you could compare them, every one of those people could be, and, and most likely are very unique, very different, very different strengths and weaknesses and likes and dislikes and personalities. And, um, you know, just, just because somebody has ADHD or autism or, you know, anxiety does not mean that they're the same person. Every, everybody handles things differently exactly. and it impacts people differently. And I, that's, that's one of the big things that I've struggled to overcome with my advocacy on the autism side of things is that people just think autism is the same for everyone. And it just, yes, <laughs> it's beating my head into the wall a lot of times, to be honest, but, but that's, uh, that was a really good, I think that should be everybody's takeaway. I think that was really well said. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I really, really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. I'll make sure uh, to have all of your social links um, in the description below so everybody can connect with you. Um, yeah. And, and again, I really, really appreciate it. Um, Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime, anytime. We should, we should have like an ADHD, like thing, you know, to, to, yeah, to sure. keep trying to, uh, to do that. So again, I really appreciate it, Hazel. Um, yeah, I guess I will just talk to you later. Awesome. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Uh, I just wanted to take a, a quick minute and thank Hazel for coming on to the show today and, you know, opening up herself in such a very personal way and, and letting us kind of get a better understanding of what ADHD is like and anxiety is like and, and doing so in a very honest, um, 
open and transparent way. I have a lot of respect for you, Hazel. So thank you very much. Um, I will have all of her contact information in the show notes. So be sure to uh, check there, follow her on Twitter. And uh, you guys can find me at theautismdad.com. Uh, all my social links are at the top of the page. Uh, you can hit me up on uh, Twitter. I try to respond to everybody who reaches out. Um, please consider sponsoring or supporting this podcast. I uh, really appreciate that. The link's in the description as well. And don't forget to subscribe via any one of your favorite podcasting apps. Just look up The Autism Dad and uh, hit subscribe. I'd really, really appreciate that. Uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strengthened connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U.com, and be sure to use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.